y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith America podcast, volume 32. And it's amazing. I had the great opportunity to go out to Seattle, Washington a couple of weeks ago to sit and chat and learn with and from two of the best basketball players on the planet, Golden State Warriors forward Kevin Durant and Seattle Storm forward Brianna Stewart. They are friends and good friends. And I had the great chance to sit them down together, learn about their friendship, how it came to be, and their esteemed mutual respect for one another as basketball players and as human beings. And when you look at Kevin Durant right now, he can be a polarizing figure because he is so honest and he has no qualms holding back his opinion. And I got into that with him and I asked Brianna her thoughts on that honesty that Kevin has no qualms disseminating. And Durant is one of the most passionate consumers and advocates for the women's game. And I get into that with him. What is it about the women's game that you appreciate so much? Above all, what I wanted from both of them, the reason that we were together in Seattle, is because, again, that's where Brianna plays, but that's where KD was drafted. His first year in the NBA out of Texas was in Seattle, Washington with the Sonics. And the Warriors were in Seattle to play a preseason game against the Sacramento Kings. And I spent 30 or 40 minutes with those two, not just in a seated fashion, but we also went out on the basketball floor, played a little horse. And uh, let me tell you, that's a real bad idea. Do not play horse with two of the greatest shooters in the world. I've said many times that these athletes that I get the opportunity to hang with, you can feel pretty inadequate. Uh, if you want to know that your jump shot stinks, Go play horse with Kevin Durant and Brianna Stewart. So I can't wait for you guys to hear this. It was so fulfilling. Uh, one of the great joys of my life to spend time with those two uh, out in Seattle. But before we get to them, we got to talk a little bit of bacon. Guess what, bacon lovers? You know it. You know the score. With every pack of Smithfield bacon you purchase right now, you can enter for a chance to win bacon for life. I didn't stutter. You heard me correctly. Bacon for the rest of your life. All the slow smoke, crispy happiness you can handle. Wake up, boom. There's bacon on your plate. Need lunch during a big game? Bacon. And for dinner, bedtime snack or any time of the day, you know what I'm talking about. Bacon for life. You can baconify anything you like. Maybe you put bacon on s'mores, on pancakes. Everybody loves a BLT. You can make your BLT, and you don't even have to worry about how much bacon you use because you got all the bacon, all the bacon in the whole world for the rest of your life. No tricks, no gimmicks, just a whole truckload of Smithfield bacon for life and for the win. And the chance to win it right now is yours. Look for specially marked packages of Smithfield bacon in stores or visit smithfield.com slash bacon for life for details. Flavor hails from Smithfield. No purchase is necessary. It ends December 31st, 2018. Go to smithfield.com slash bacon for life to enter and for free entry instructions. And I don't know if you guys saw or not, but I called it. I knew my buddy Eric Almirola would win the NASCAR race at Talladega. Why? Because he was in the bacon for life Ford Fusion. It had a big old sizzling bacon strip down the side of it. And if anything screams Talladega, it's bacon at 200 miles an hour. And what happened? Travis, he won the race at Talladega in the bacon car. If that ain't America, I don't know what is. If that ain't America, I don't know what is either. And speaking of great Americans, 
Now it's time for my conversation with Kevin Durant and Brianna Stewart. First of all, sir, happy birthday. Thank you. Big day for you. What would you get him for his birthday? Ah. She just sent the text. That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> tweet. That yeah. was good enough. I like the, the, the subtle approach. Subtle approach. He doesn't, happy, he happy doesn't need much. I don't know if you need much. I'm cool with just a happy birthday yeah. text. I'm going to be at the game. I'm going to be yeah, supporting. Yeah, just enough. How did you guys become friends? How did you get to know each other? Well, just just a mutual respect. Um, watching her over the years and seeing um, all the success, and you know, in college and as a high school player, college, now making it to the pros, and you know, and then we had opportunity to um, spend some time together in the Olympics, and you know, you just gain that respect and the admiration for someone that is a master at their craft, and um, I can appreciate what she brings to the table, and it, you know, kind of brought me into seeing more about her as a as a human. What inspires you about him? Um, what ex- what inspires me is just the kind of the way he carries himself. You know, he's obviously been very very successful um, on all different levels of his career. But you know, continuing to want to be better, continuing to want to do better, whether it's on the court, off the court, and um, that's big. You know, especially someone who has um, who's so big time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But to to still kind of really be humble and just humble. What kind of example do you think that sets? I mean, I think it's it it kind of sets the bar. You know, when you have the league's best player, you know, really being humble and and carrying himself in a way that uh, not many people who aren't in the NBA carry themselves. That's that's a difference maker. That's a set that'll set him apart from everybody else. And I think, you know, when you look at kids, a lot of young kids are. Or aspiring to be just like KD. I just heard the league's best player. That's what I heard. Thoughts? Uh, I appreciate it. Um, yes, I mean, thank you. <laughs> I mean, you're going to take it, right? Yeah, <laughs> I got to. You're not going to say I'm not. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, but just to have that, um, like I said, that respect for each other's games and, you know, what we've both been through, I think just relating to the journey of wanting to become the best player and person you could be. And wanting to have success on the basketball court and, um, you know, just kind of seeing that journey, you can appreciate, you know, every person for, for who they are. For both of you, I'm intrigued by that journey. Describe it. What is it? I don't know. There has to be more to it than just, hey, I play ball. Yeah, I just think it's just uh, the, the days when you're in the gym, you know, you're struggling with something and you want to get better at it and, you know, you're frustrated going home or after a loss or after you know, after a big win, it's just the emotions that you put into the game and the, you know, the small little bouts of anxiety and stress and just, you know, stuff that you learn about life along the way, I think, is uh, is just a journey and just the people you meet along the way that helped you out. And, you know, I'm sure you got so many memories. There's just so many great people that have been there um, at your best moments and at your worst moments. And, you know, I just think that's just a the best part of this whole thing is just going through it with so many great people and experiencing so many good things. How's he been there for you in a rough moment? <sighs> um, you know, I think just, just being in my corner. You know, it doesn't matter if it was something uh, extremely serious or like, you know, having a bad game or that type of thing. But just knowing, you know, the support I have from him on and off the court um, is unwavering and uh, it means a lot, you know, even though we don't actually get to, to hang out like this very often, but having that support, um, even from states and, and countries away, is huge. 
we see a guy from afar mm -hmm. who's amazingly accomplished as a basketball player, certainly grown socially in terms of, you know, your your passion for social awareness and those types of things. But we don't know him. Yeah. You know Kevin Durant. What should we know about your friend? <laughs> I just, I mean, I think the the thing that, I mean, everybody should know about about Kevin is just the fact that he's a really good guy. He's genuinely a good guy. And, you know, whether it's people don't like his decisions or his antics or whatever it may be, you know, that's, he's in a, in a high-pressure situation. And you can't win. You can't always win. Not everybody's going to like you, but um, the way that he carries himself is huge. And I think, you know, for most of the people that are in his circle, um, I'm pretty sure he would do anything he could for them. True or false? Yeah, that's pretty true. Um, I'm a, I'm just a ball. I mean, I'm a ball player. I enjoy to play. I enjoy playing the game. The other stuff is cool. You know, the antics, I guess, what you want to call it, or social <laughs> that's awareness. Um, that's cool. Um, I think um, basketball has allowed me to express myself um, through my motions, my movements, through just you know, just going out there and playing, just my craft. But um, it's also allowed me to be more confident in my voice, and I think that's what. A lot of athletes go through as you progress as a human is that, you know, you feel so confident in that expression of what you do out on the court. You want to you want to put that into words sometimes and and just the influence that we have over people. Uh, it makes it easier for us to, to you know, kind of lend that voice out and be the voice of you know someone else that may be going through the same things. Both of you have taken that approach in terms of taking your own experiences and trying to impact others with those experiences. Why is that important for both of you? Uh, I mean, we're human at the end of the day, but we happen to play uh, sport on TV, and a lot of people know who we are. But I think um, our struggles, you know, what we think about on a day-to-day -day basis is probably the same things um, as, a, as a regular person. And just, our, you know, the stories and the experiences that you've been through, you can definitely help someone else who is uh, maybe dealing with something on their own and, uh, you know, just reassuring them that it's all right. I think it's... Uh, to be in this position is huge to kind of get that reassurance back to someone else who may be feeling the same way you felt about a different situation. So, um, you know, I think just our, the access to us and the amount of, you know, content that's out there and how much you know about us is, uh, is giving us a lot of athletes just a voice to speak up. How long does it take to find that voice? Uh, it takes a while, I think, to find that voice. I think especially, you know, once you're – you have to find – uh, your voice, yourself, as far as a basketball player and what you want to do and what you know you can do on the court. And once you become really, really genuinely confident in that, then, you know, other doorways open up. You know, you're, you're more open to the world about your life, you know, things that are relatable to other people that they don't think that they can relate to, you know, him or I, even though, like he said, we both were living the same life. Mm -hmm. You know, we all live the same life, just have different paths that are taken um but really being able to use our platforms to to reach people and you know, i think the biggest thing for me and, and i'm sure for him is you know we're we're talking for the people who who can't use their voice whose voice can't reach other people and and that's big it's huge you talk about your path both of your paths came through seattle washington mm -hmm. all right you play here you debuted here what kind of hoops town is seattle um I think, you know, when I first came here, I didn't, I didn't really know anything about Seattle. You know, I've never been here before. Uh, but being drafted here, you know, I knew about 
the crazy fan bases, you know, how it's such a sports city and they really do put their heart and soul in basketball and, and supporting um, this city. As far as the storm, you know, you look back at our playoff run this year, uh, I've never had, never seen Key Arena rocking like that. And it's it's just exciting. You know, I'm sure as it is in Golden State, you know, people really appreciate what, what we're doing and, and have a huge appreciation for that and and make it more than just about basketball. What kind of hoops town is it? Uh, well, it was, it was a weird time when I was here um, with the move and everybody was just so upset with, you know, the business side of basketball, you know, something that we couldn't control. But the excitement for just fresh faces I thought was pretty cool. Um, you know, after every practice, you see more and more autograph seekers out front in the practice facility or, you know, more people in front of the hotel when we travel on the road. So you can tell that Sonic fan base was kind of deep and it was just bigger than being in just in Seattle. And everywhere on the road we seen, you know, especially now I see Sonic's jerseys everywhere, especially when we play in Portland or on the West Coast. And um, just to know that... Um, it started back in the 70s when this team wanted, went to the finals unexpectedly and won the championship, and then you had so many great players. I think that history is what drives this city and uh, what kind of, you know, breeds the, the fan, the natural fan, the authentic fan here, and uh, just from that success that they had such a long time ago. And uh, to be a part of it just a little bit is cool, but uh, to see the success they've had over you know, this past year and, and how much they're going to have in the future. Um, you just see it through the TV, how much the Seattle fans have been waiting on something like this. What do you remember most about your year here? I remember that last game here in this building. It was, uh, we played a pretty good team in Dallas. They were uh, just coming off of finals the year before. They were playing well at that time. They needed that win. And, you know, the second I walked out for warm-ups, I mean, we usually, every seat, you could usually see all the red seats when we started playing. Um, but that night it was, you know, every seat was filled. And um, it was, you had that feeling that this was going to be the last game here. And, you know, from the start to the finish, it was just, you know, you really couldn't hear yourself. And um, that really showed me what these fans were about. What was that feeling like when you knew it was the last one? I didn't know at the time, but you had a, I had a, a slight feeling, and I just was trying to stay in the moment, embrace, and then embrace what the fans were bringing to us and the energy they gave us, and I wanted that again. And uh, but when we left, um, you know, it was definitely heartbreaking as a player, as a um, and for the fans as well, just to just to know the, the Sonics wouldn't be back. So why should the NBA be here? I mean, it's a sports town. I mean, simple. You know, Everybody says it, that Sonics need to be back here from all different walks of life. Everybody knows the Sonics belong back here, and hopefully it comes back here soon. What do you think it would mean to Storm fans for the Sonics to be back? I think it would be huge to to have the Sonics come back, and, you know, I can only um, go off of what I've been told from Sue, you know, when she was here, when when the Sonics were here, and it was just... It was um it was just a different vibe, you know, having both teams and and you know a sports city really embracing both men's and women's basketball, um, and I think you know we we deserve to have the Sonics back, you know that's that's the only other sport that we're missing really. You know, the appreciation for the men's and the women's game. Nobody appreciates the women's game like you do. 
What is it about the women's game that you respect and appreciate so much? Well, I started really falling in love with the fundamentals of the game and um, some of the stuff that I see the women's players do. Uh, do obviously, they can't they don't have the athleticism like we have, but they make up for that in the, with the fundamentals and just the skill. You know, I see a lot of players in our league that don't have close to the amount of skill that she has. You know, the shooting fadeaways, can dribble with either hand, make either pass with either hand, can go either way, right or left, and shoot a jump shot. And that's rare to find now, especially with younger kids coming up. So, you know, I look and see the fundamentals of the game, and it makes me want to go sharpen up my tools and my skills for the game because that's what it's about, you know. And I think that's what allows everyone to play is just the, the fundamentals. And obviously athleticism is cool, it's entertaining, but the core of the game comes from learning how to do the basic things, and they do it the best. When you hear that, what do you think? Um, obviously, you know, I appreciate having support from someone of his caliber. Um, but, you know, I think it's I think it's true. You know, I think the way that um, we have to really focus in on, on fundamentals, and fundam- excuse me, fundamentals and skills uh, is really important because that's what's going to s- separate us and, and make someone that much better than, than another player. You know, because we don't have the athleticism, we can't be doing, you know, crazy dunks or anything like that, but we can be skilled in as much as we can. You know, dribbling, shooting, um, and just trying to, to grow the game that way. You know, they're growing the game one way, and we're growing the game in a different direction, and no no way's wrong. He knows how much he respects the fundamentals of <coughs> not. What have you taken from his game that you use in your own? <laughs> um, probably, probably a lot. I think uh, you know, just just watching him, uh, watching his games, watching film on him. Um, the kind of the calming presence that he has when he plays um, is is huge. You know, you don't know uh, if he's gonna pull up and hit a jumper from like 35 feet out or he's going to just go past somebody uh, with his crossover but trying to to just emulate that and and bringing it to the WNBA and I think you know a lot of people have have put the comparison between our two games and hopefully it's it's um, putting more eyes on us you know people who watch the NBA will now hopefully tune into the WNBA to see if the comparison is actually true. You quite literally walk in his shoes. I mean, you wear his shoes when you play. What should that tell me about your relationship? Is that a comfort thing? Or is that like a friendship thing? Or you just like how they look? Um, all of the above. <laughs> you know, I think ever since I, I was probably in college, I don't even know before then, but I would wear the KDs, you know, whenever I could. And at UConn, we couldn't wear the low tops. So you kind of messed me up because I couldn't yeah, wear. Yeah, I had a few years. I couldn't wear them at UConn, but now um, I missed a couple championships. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, not just continuing with it. Obviously, uh, have an appreciation for his game, for what he does, and um, I think it's an honor for me to be able to to be able to wear them, to be able to play in them, and thankfully get some some nice colorways that that match um, the storm. So let's talk business real quick. There's a collective bargaining agreement coming yes. for the WNBA that's going to be very important mm-hmm. 
for you and your peers. What's the best scenario that can come from that for you and your peers in the league? Um, I think the best scenario that, that comes out of the, the CBA is, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the opt-out at the end of the month, but, you know, really continuing to fight for what we need. And it's not going to all happen overnight. You know, obviously there's a pay discrepancy that we're trying to change um, the revenue percentage that the WNBA makes compared to the NBA. And, you know, we're not asking for millions, but we're, we're wondering, you know, where is this money going and why is it not the same? Um, and then just, just simple things. You know, you've seen throughout this year, some of our travel has been yeah. tough. Schedule has been tough. You know, having to play year-round isn't the easiest on our bodies. And if there's a way that we can, you know, continue to, to bring in more money, obviously, you know, that part's on us. We have to continue to, to grow the game. But if we can raise the salaries a little bit, you know, it might save people's careers and, and make them go a few years longer. What, what do you think they deserve? I think they deserve more money. I think they deserve uh, better scheduling, um, better travel. I just think all of the above. I mean, it's easier for me to just say that you don't really know the details. I don't really know all the details in the CBA, but they do deserve more money. And I think, uh, like you said, I've seen, I follow a WNBA account on Instagram, and they showed me all all the ladies that go overseas and play. And I've seen just about every major player is going overseas to play. And, you know, I feel feel as though they can, I think they go over there to play. Obviously, they love the game, but they also want to make money. but I feel as though they play such a long season and they feel in the summertime and they spend so much time helping grow the game and taking it to new heights. I feel like that should be enough for them to survive throughout the whole year and still play competitive basketball. I think um, we play for eight months, but we get two and a half months to just to ourselves. They don't really get that much time. And I think that's unfortunate. And I think it could be solved by just um, paying them more. And you know, panel what they deserve, and it's a de- it's a demand. I think it's going to be more of a demand to watch WNBA basketball coming up here soon, especially the, the run that they made and how much success and how much talent is coming into the league. So hopefully, it changes. And unbelievable salaries for the great ones. All right, y'all boys getting paid. Yeah, yeah, we are. All right. Yeah, you guys. Are when good. when you and your peers see some of the contracts these guys sign, how do you react? You know, you have to be happy for them. Especially, you know, coming from our shoes, you know, how hard we're working. Um, and to, to have it be paying off, obviously not on a similar scale as them, but, but they deserve it because, you know, they're, they're still doing their part and doing what they deserve and, and continuing to, to make the NBA the best league that it can be. Um, and it's, it's something to, to aspire towards. You know, I don't know if it'll happen throughout my career, but, you know, for the people who are coming behind me, you know, we're trying to make it a little bit better for them. I completely agree. I'm not saying y'all don't no, learn. I agree y- as Y'all learn it, man. Y'all learn it. Um, she was noting your a- antics a little bit earlier. <laughs> How have you evolved per- your personality through the years? I'm just more open and more secure with myself that uh, I don't mind saying what's on my mind. I don't, uh, I wouldn't call it antics, though. I mean, it's just me being who I am or in front of a camera or in front of a, a media member or I'm just being me and um, enjoying the game every day uh, you know learning more about life as I go through this game and learning more about people and um, 
working with people, working with others. So, you know, I'm just learning as I go. And some days you might catch me when I really got a lot to say. And some days, you you know, you may enjoy what I have to say. But I just think that we all go through those moments and and, uh, and want to just speak up and just be who you are and not really care about what goes on on the outside. Just kind of be free with just who I am. And I think that's the approach I try to take. One more quick thing. Uh, I understand you had a tremendous birthday party hmm. in New York City. Yeah. And I understand that Barack Obama offered a nice message to you. Yeah, he did. What did he say and how did you react when you saw him? I forgot. I, I, I just lost it once I seen him on, on camera and um, just wished me a happy birthday. But I forgot the majority of you know what he said. But all I, all I heard was happy birthday. But to, to have a president, my president... Um, Wish me a happy birthday. I mean, I don't even know what to say to that. Words can't even describe it. It was pretty exciting, and uh, especially for my mom, she was there. She was, she was more excited than I was. But first African American president to acknowledge me on my birthday, my 30th birthday, can't beat that. What would little KD from DC have thought that the president of the United States yeah, I, acknowledged him on his birthday? Yeah, it don't I, get bigger than that. And, uh, I grew up uh, 15 minutes. Uh, Right off of Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, I, I, I rode on that uh, that street my whole life, and that leads right into the White House. And I never even been to the White House until a couple of years ago, so that shows how far um, how, how far I thought that reach was as a kid. You know, not even feeling like I could get close to any type of success or stardom or just anything in that realm. So to to see it from from then to now is pretty amazing, man. I'm just grateful for everything. What an enjoyable day for me out in Seattle to be able to spend time with those two. And it was so fun to go to the game that night. And, uh, you know, it was, it was funny because I was on the sideline right beside the Warriors bench when uh, the game was about to begin. And they announced all the starters. And basically the Warriors were the home team because Kevin was there. And that, that community still embraces him so tightly. They love him. They adore him because he has been such a staunch advocate for basketball in Seattle. Someday there's going to be basketball back in Seattle. The NBA is going to go back there. I don't think there's any doubt there is a voracious hoops fan base there. And I'll tell you about, I'll tell you how voracious in a few minutes I had a, a funny experience while I was up there. But I'll tell you first, I had the great opportunity as the players were being introduced to stand beside the Warriors bench and they introduce uh, all four of the starters that, that other than Durant and they saved him for last and they turn the lights out and the place is just bonkers. Key Arena is off the rails as they're about to announce Kevin Durant. So they announce him. He pulls off his warm up and has on a Sean Kemp jersey. Everybody remembers Rain Man, at least guys who are my age. Travis, you may be too young, but Rain Man dunked on everybody. I mean, he back in the day, it was like Dominique Wilkins, MJ, and then Sean Kemp came along. And the ferocity, that's that's the word, the ferocity with which he dunked on people's heads was unprecedented. You just didn't, he, he was really the first guy that did that. He was the guy that if you try to go block his shot, you're going to get some. You're going to end up on a poster. I mean, you were, you were going to end up on a poster. And it wasn't going to be pretty for you. And so 
they announce Kevin, and the the house comes down, and he goes to address the crowd wearing that Sean Kemp jersey. And the first thing he did was congratulate the Seattle Storm and Brianna for winning the championship. Brianna's the MVP, and he took that moment for them. He made his moment about the basketball that's still being played in that city. And then he said, basketball is coming back. I know it. I saw the passion myself. I saw the way that they reacted to basketball being back in Seattle, NBA basketball being back in Seattle. And uh, it was just so fun to witness that. And one thing that I definitely did when I was in Seattle, as soon as we left the game, it was time for the Marty Party. What are we going to do, bud? We're going to drink one of these beers. Hand me one of them damn beers real quick. What's up, man? Marty Party. I went out to the bars with my buddy, Chad, and we were tossing a few back at this bar in Seattle. And a few people came over to say hello. And, man, thanks so much for being here. What are you doing here? What Are you covering UW? Are you out here for to cover the Huskies? No, I'm here for hoops. And then once it started to filter around that I was there for hoops, all these people started to come over and just say thank you. They just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time to come out to Seattle and consider and champion Supersonics basketball. Hey, no problem, man. The pleasure's all mine. It was a joy of my life to get to spend time with Kevin and with Brianna and to learn more about the Seattle culture and the passion here and the amazing culture here. Then this one guy comes over, Sam Rice. So Sam's tuned up pretty good, and he comes over, and he's kind of has the same message. Man, I can't believe you're here, dude. Thanks so much. It's awesome to have the Marty Party in Seattle. And my buddy Chad looks at him and goes, you know what you should do? You should give him your jacket. Well, Sam had on the absolute coolest green satin 1989-90 original starter jacket seattle supersonics and anybody that's my age remembers that the satin basketball starter jacket not the pullover parka that we all wanted a couple of years later those are the ones that i the had satin did you have one i had the pullovers with the the, the pocket in the middle that, right that's what I, I did too that, that was a couple years later that's more more that's closer to your era in my era when i was in seventh and eighth grade ninth grade the satin starter jacket was the hottest item going Sam, uh, at first, his reaction is befuddled. I mean, he was a little bit bewildered for a moment. And then he goes, you know what? You're right. You're right. I am going to take this jacket off. And I was like, no, 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 man. I don't want it. I don't want your jacket. Thank you. That's hilarious. Uh, no. And he goes, no, man, I insist. And I kind of look over at Chad, and Chad's looking at me with this grin on his face. I was like, Sam, I'm not taking your jacket. I declined three times, but he insisted. He takes his jacket off, he puts it on my back, and he goes, I need one thing from you. And I said, what? He said, you wear this jacket on ESPN, and you tell people how much we love basketball out here. You wear this jacket on ESPN, and you remind them that the Seattle Supersonics left, but we're coming back. And I said, dude, that's easy. And so what did I do? I wore it on the entire Marty and McGee program on SEC Network. Last week, and I can't describe to you the reaction to that jacket. Everybody wants my new Sonics jacket. Sorry, guys. Can't have it. I mean, it is cool, Travis. It even has, I don't remember my Bulls jacket. 
having the same lining that this one does. It's like quilted. It's yellow quilted interior. I don't remember mine having quilted interior. This must have been the uh, luxury model starter jacket. Starter did make the best because I had a I had a Bulls and a Cowboys and those things they could you could go through Alaska in those jackets and you'd be good to go. They're sweet too, man. Like this thing looks so cool. It's a couple sizes larger than the typical medium that I like to uh, don, but nonetheless, it is as epic as it gets. And I can't thank Sam enough. Uh, I will wear it proudly over here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And it's cool, man, because I can get away with wearing it because it's retro. There are no Seattle Supersonics right now. So I'll tell you what I want, man. You know what I want in terms of, like, gear? I want a an original Charlotte Hornets, like their original uniforms, which that was 1988, so Travis was about six years old. Nope, I was born 88. You were born in 88? Yep. So Travis wasn't even born yet in 1988. And the original Charlotte Hornets uniforms were sick. They had these purple and teal little thin pinstripes on them, big bubble numbers. The Hornets mascot was a big bubble mascot, little bumblebee, and it, or hornet, I guess, as it were. Big hornet. And they were just the coolest ever. Muggsy Bogues, Alonzo Mourning, Larry Johnson, Kelly Trapuca, all those guys that we loved as kids. But you know what I want, bro? I want a Michael Jordan 23 original Hornets jersey. And I don't know how I pull that off, but, man, I want it. Speaking of attire, so I saw you rocking your Jays up in Seattle. Did KD, did I that, rock my Jays everywhere. That, I got did, twitchy, dude, because it was raining and, like, the, the the streets were dirty. And Chad, my buddy, I, I mean, he busted out laughing at me because I would stop. I would duck under roofs to wipe off my Jays. Yeah, you are very anal with your shoes. But did KD, you like, respect even, did KD respect you? Did it help you with him or anything? Like Everybody mentions it. It, no matter what pair of Jordans I have on. Like, I remember being at Alabama last year for the college football playoff, and I had on the original Jordan 1 black toe Jays. And every player and every coach, Saban notwithstanding, that came through the door went, oh, my God, where would you get those? Where do I get those? How did you get those? Those are dope. Like, on and on. I've loved Air Jordans my whole, I mean, my entire life. He was one of my greatest sporting heroes and influences. My entire bedroom, my entire bedroom, okay? As a parent now, I can't fathom how my parents allowed this, but my entire bedroom was wallpapered with Michael. It was the posters that you used to get at Spencer's. It was the box tops. I would take the Jordan box Got my first pair of J's in ninth or 10th grade. And I took the box, which was all black with like the concrete bottom and had a red Jordan logo on the top. And I cut all of the little Jordan logos off of the box meticulously and hung them on my wall. I mean, he was, he was my wall. And so I can remember my first pair. It was a pair of fives and the original fives had a clear bottom on them, a clear rubber sole bottom. But 
they soiled terribly when you wore them outside. They browned up really badly. So I would carry my shoes to school and not put them on until I was inside. He's not joking, people. There's a lot of people going to be listening to this podcast, like nodding their head, going, oh, yeah, man, that's me. I've seen you clean your shoes in the hotel room before. Oh, I asked McGee about it. I mean, McGee lost his mind laughing at me. We were at Homestead Miami Speedway 2015, and I had a brand-new pair of gray Nike running shoes, and I went and did a thing with the Goodyear blimp. I went and rode in the Goodyear blimp and did a couple live shots. Well, you got to park the Goodyear blimp on a big field. Well, we went in the morning when the dew was still on the field, so I had to walk through that field in my brand-new shoes. Son, I I was in the media center, the, the a deadline room, with a Mr. Clean Magic Eraser going to work, and McGee took pictures of it and thought it was just the funniest thing ever. Um, I don't know why I'm that way. I've always been that way. Everyone, like, every day I wipe down whatever pair of shoes I had on. I'll add to it's, it. When we were at the Indy 500, he actually stepped on the toe, and you were flustered for the next 10 minutes. That does not sit well with me. I don't, like, I tell my children, I want your sweet little hugs worse than anything in the world. I adore your little hug. Don't step on daddy's shoes. Don't step on daddy's jays. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's a problem, but it's going to be a problem because I'm a 42-year-old man, and I'm not going to change anytime soon, at least on that front. Not only am I ridiculously neurotic about keeping my shoes clean, but it's a full-time job trying to make sure I'm presentable for you guys to see me on the Sports Center television program, Marty and McGee, College Game Day, in high definition, it's not your friend. That is why I love Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club has everything I need to look, smell, and feel my best. What I love even more is the fact that I never have to go to the store. I'm always on the run. I don't have a whole lot of time to go to the store. With Dollar Shave Club, I don't have to. That's because, one, Dollar Shave Club delivers everything I need right to my door, and, two, they keep me fully stocked on what I use so I don't ever run out. Here's how it works. Dollar Shave Club has everything that I need to get ready. Same for you guys, no matter what you're getting ready for. They have you covered head to toe, hair, skin, face, you name it, they have it. And they have this new program where they automatically keep you stocked on the products you use. It just shows up at your house. No stress involved. You determine what you want and when you want it, and it shows up right at your door from once a month to every six months. It just depends on how often you guys need it. I'm a once a month guy. Plus, with their handsome discount, the more you buy, the more you save. Right now, they've got a bunch of starter sets you can try for just five bucks, like their oral care kit. After that, the restock box ships regular size products at the regular price. So what are you waiting for? Get your starter set for just five bucks right now at dollarshaveclub.com slash smith. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash smith. And now back to my shoes for a minute. So I randomly last week started telling you guys about how I love to drink beer out of cans. This week, I want you to show me what J's you're wearing. I want to see what your favorite shoes look like if you're as neurotic about keeping them clean as I am. At Marty Smith ESPN, hit me up on the Twitter machine with the hashtag, here's my J's. I would love to see it. Back to hash. Speaking of hashtags, let's, let's discuss this. What cans y'all got for a minute? 
Travis. Words, sayings, or just a way of life? Roman candles? That's a redneck mortar launcher. That's what that is. <laughs> this is Hillbillyisms. Last week, as I said, I said, you guys need to show me what cold beer you're drinking and what can't. Because I love craft beer cans. I don't know what it is. I have this weird appreciation and and admiration for the art that they use on these craft beer cans. Some of the ones that I saw that were awesome. Hashtag what cans y'all got. The Bell's Oberon. I don't know if that's... uh. I don't know if that's right, but my man Tim Terry at Timbo underscore Collins sent me his cold beer. I really like this one from my man Mark Hill at Legit Mark Hill. Hashtag what cans y'all got. It has a donkey on it with a halo made of a beer cap. And it says good ass beer. That That's my favorite one. And then it one. says have a good ass time. <laughs> I like that one a lot, man. I like my man Colton Dixon at Colton Dixon. He he sent me a, like an o like an original old Milwaukee can. I mean, like this thing looks ancient. I got one that I need to get rid of though. I I, I appreciate our fans, Marty, su- submitting ones, but uh, some fan. His name is Adam Whalen. I'm gonna guess Adam Whalen twenty three. The beer is called Hazen Blue. Ooh, I, I don't, I don't I see it right now. I don't there appre- it is. I, I think it looks pretty it. nice. Uh, yeah, I. Sorry, I just. It would be from Holland, Michigan. Yeah, I. Just but can't. it's a juicy New England IPA, huh? Yeah, I can't do that. So I'll, I'm now calling out for Buckeye Nation to get some Buckeye beers tweeted at us. Yeah, I, I can't do there it. There you this. are. Travis is putting you guys on notice, Buckeye Nation. Get some, get some Buckeye cold beers. Let's go. I like this one. I like this one right here from Spooky Blake, my guy at BMC Nicks. It is a Rheingeist Cincy made Wowie ale with pineapple and passion fruit. What do you think about that, Travis? That's a mouthful to even say what it is. That was, that was a difficult thing to recite, but I think I did a pretty good job. At T.W. Kellen, Todd Kellen, he sent me an evil twin brewing. I always felt closer to IPAs than I did to people. (laughs) I can't believe the response. And the last one we'll discuss is from my man, Michael Cunningham, at Mr. Cunningham 32. He sent us a get her done cream ale. It must be Larry the Cable Guy's cold beer. Has Larry right there pointing at us, right there on the can. I've got one more, Marty, from Boat 613, Jerry Lee Boatner. He's got Joe Thomas's beer. That That's good retirement right there. I did see that, too. I liked that one. Joe Thomas's cold beer. It's got, it's got a big 73 on it. From Great Lakes Brewing, which is actually in Ohio, so we're, we're getting there. But well, yeah. that's close. But, but that, that's a nice way to retire. You know, Give it up. Stop punishing yourself, and what do you do? You start canning beer. What do we need to do to get a Marty Party beer? Who do we need to talk to? So, like we got, we got to do that. That needs to be our mission. With, with that's coot, our mission. With All coot, right, which one the, of you guys on it? Yeah, big cooter on it. Which one of you guys that uh, brews your own beer that has a uh, that has a brewery is going to partner with us for the Marty Party cold beer? I can't wait. I'll help design the can and everything. The last one that we'll discuss is uh, old Cole Cracker at Dave Lorady. 
and it's a picture of Dave with his buddy. They're wearing hoodies, camo. I think he's flipping off the camera now that I look a little closer. And uh, they're standing at a big bonfire with their cans of cold beer, and it says, what cans y'all got? That's a fire. That's a big well, fire. Yeah, that's a fire. And naturally, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. liked this photograph. <laughs> like, I'm a little worried. I might need to trade these guys to make sure they're okay because that's a big fire. That's and, a big fire, and, and they look hammered. And that isn't their first uh, drink of the night. That's not their first rodeo. Them boys look tuned up pretty good. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate your time. Thank you for investing in the product and listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review. It matters a lot to us. I know it takes a little bit of effort, but it's uh, it's extremely helpful when you guys do that. Thank you so much to Smithfield. I love my partnership with them, with the Eckert's Million Dollar Throw at the college football playoff, and Bacon, and congratulations to Eric Almirola again for winning Talladega in the Smithfield. Bacon for life forward. That is a sizzling ride, baby. Appreciate Dollar Shave Club for their investment in the program. Thank you so much to Travis. Appreciate you helping me every week make this thing great. Thank you to Louise for being crazy enough to let us do it. Thank you so much to our men and women in uniform all around the world defending our freedom. I'll get into my trip. I spent the first few days this week with the U.S. Navy on the USS Carl Vinson. It was a life-changing experience, and I'll discuss it in an upcoming podcast in depth. We live in the greatest country in the world for a reason. We're free for a reason, and it's those guys. We appreciate y'all. Have a great week. We'll see you next time around.